Welcome to Quotable, a female entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After more than 10 years building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who've been in it too. And I want to share all of them with you because we're stronger together. So fill your coffee cup up, sit back, and listen in. This episode is brought to you by Quotable Media Co.'s special visibility package for local businesses. Yes, we're mostly based in Boston, so local business to us means in and around the greater Boston area. This is for you. We've put together a special PR package for brick and mortar businesses specifically that want to build buzz and create conversation around their brand and business for a short period of time in a cost-effective way. This four-month package gets you access to all our connections with traditional mainstream media and Quotable Magazine and this podcast, as well as our local network of supportive female leaders. We'll set up articles, stories, appearances, and partnerships to get your brand to the forefront with opportunities like regular media articles, TV ops, influencer partnerships, podcast appearances, and more every single month throughout our time together and then content strategy consulting to tie everything together make sure you're amplifying it all taking it even further your marketing is all set for the whole month every time we're working together if you're interested in this click the link below in the show notes to set up a call and we can discuss figure out if it's a great fit for you and if you're not local but this is intriguing to you we have plenty of other options for working with us too so i'll include a link for the general call with me too so we could always discuss what makes the most sense for you this is just one option that we wanted to make sure that our local brands knew about and could take part in leading into the fall. Now onto the show. I'm so excited to be here today with Allison Caffrey as operations strategist and the author of a new book, The Sabbatical Method, Create a Business That Can Function Without You. Oh my gosh, we all need that. Thank you so much for coming on, Allison. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I feel like you've, I've, you have the information that we all need. So <laughs> I want to dive into all of it. I always am completely in awe of anyone who's written a book. Um, so I want to dive into all of those things, but let's start by like, give people a little more of an introduction than I just did. Like, what is your business? What do you actually do? What is, yeah. What, what is your business? Let's start there. And then I want to hear like how you've actually built it to what it is today. Yeah, totally. So I started back in 2017, as perhaps a lot of us start as a freelancer. Um, I was doing, um, you know, part-time fractional COO work um, for high-growth companies, and I had previously been full-time at, you know, a growing business as an operations manager and an operations director, and kind of rose up through the ranks of that growing organization. And um, we got an opportunity to move. My husband and I. He was in the military at the time, and he was joining um, a different kind of um, function of the military. And I remember telling my boss at the time that we were going to be moving on and that we were going to be moving states. And I'll never forget, he asked me for a 90 day transition period. Everything at the time was flowing through me. I was training all the incoming team members. I had all the information up in my noggin. and It was just a lot, a lot of things. So over a 90 day period, I obviously granted him that transition. And I basically restructured the entire business from the ground up, supporting everybody with systems and processes and job descriptions and training and all the reports and all the things. And I remember feeling like I had revitalized that business for the stage that it was at in its growth trajectory. And within 30 days after departing from that business, I was a freelancer with a full book of business of people that were like, please do what you did for that guy for me, please, please. Um, and so operations agency was born. I always say out of need, um, which is the best thing, right? I think a lot of people um, begin businesses and they have an incredible skill set and they can provide a really, really great result for a client or a customer. And then they end up running a business. They end up having to file in different states and they have employees and they have all these other things that are going on. And they have to basically figure out how to run the business and operate the business. And so that's where I come in. Um, I help growing businesses really streamline backend operations and create a more peaceful work environment behind the scenes. And at operations agency, that's really, I mean, day in and day out, you know, what we're really focused on is keeping businesses in business and really demystifying um, the overwhelming um, project that is creating clear systems behind the scenes. 
my God, I love that. You just made it sound so easy. And it sounds like, oh my gosh, wow. So first of all, I need to go backwards to how you had that full book of business within 30 days of leaving that job, like leaving that job. What, how did you do that? Where did that come from? What was that like? Yeah, so I think when I worked at my nine to five, um, they were growing and serving lots of different clients. We did live events, we did workshops, we had kind of an agency function of what we were doing, like digital marketing setup and all of those things. And I think at the end of the day, I made a lot of really great connections just by serving those clients really, really well. Like I was the point of contact. I was the person connecting them with the team members and onboarding the new clients and managing the projects internally and making making sure that everything was up to date. So they saw me as the glue internally. And then when, um, you know, my boss at the time had made the announcement that like, hey, Ali's moving on. I remember I got all of these really lovely notes from a lot of our clients that we had served at that business. And they were like, Hey, like, what is your, what is your next step? And it's funny because my answer at the time, I was actually in an LSAT course. I was planning on going back to law school. I've always been obsessed with contract writing and I was an English major um, and, and have an English degree. Um, and I remember just being like, this is my next step. I was kind of doing this and I was excited about operations and I really liked it, but I think I'm going to go to law school. And then literally Two weeks later, I got a call from a friend of mine who was like, I just started my business. I need you to help me set up systems so that it doesn't bleed into my personal life and so that it doesn't just completely overtake all of my time and my day. And I need you to come on and be my fractional COO. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Wow. Love it when the clients just come to you and they're like, hey, you don't even have a business yet, but I want to hire you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I remember um, at the time too, the first two clients I had, they were like, I will make the invoices and send them to myself in order to pay you. And I was like, how is this even possible? Like, I remember being so humbled. I was like, especially in the very beginning, right? Like you go through these feelings of, I can't do this. I can't work on my own. I need someone else to be the source of information, um, the tasks, the direction, and so when you start something on your own, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear, right? There's a lot of like, can I do this? Can I actually be the person who is able to hunt down new business or fulfill these contracts without the safety net of, uh, you know, a salary, right? Uh, uh, you know, health insurance, right? Like all these like questions and things start popping up. And me as like the ultimate organizer, I'm always, I always have like a running to-do list of all the things that are happening behind the scenes in my brain. And so there was a lot of fear there, but I think it was really made um, simpler by the fact that I knew exactly the specific result that I was providing, which was so impactful. And in the beginning, it was super validating for folks to be approaching me for work versus me just kind of going out on the socials or in the ethers and being like, hey guys, I'm open for business. This is my brand new thing. So I think it helped me personally ease my transition into entrepreneurship. Yeah, totally. No, that sounds like like the ultimate situation like that everybody would want. Um, and I can relate to that too. I mean, I can't really relate. And like, nobody was like, oh, come do this for me. Like, well, I'll make an invoice. But, <laughs> but just in like starting off kind of almost unintentionally like that's kind of how I started my business too it was like I mean I kind of was like oh yeah I want to do this for people and met with my first client on purpose but um I wasn't like oh I'm opening a business like here's my business my business is launched kind of thing it was like I had a client for several months and probably then had already brought on other clients before I was like oh wait oh yeah like this is a business like I own a business I <laughs> knew I worked for myself but it was more like I guess maybe that freelance sort of mindset even though I didn't use that word back then either but what did it look like from like what does it look like now I guess compared to then like what has been the differences um over time like how has the company changed or grown yeah. So in the very beginning, I liked to, and I referred to myself this way in the book as well as I was the sweaty generalist of operations support. So I was really hungry, really humble. I wanted to do good work and work with good people. And I would do pretty much anything. I was doing project management work. I was doing, um, you know, data reporting. I was doing, um, you know, standard operations work, um, compiling standard operating procedures, workflows, um, rules of engagement, that sort of stuff. I was doing a little bit of HR, a little bit of management, um, chief of staffing type of vibe. And so um, a lot of what I needed to go through 
in kind of my trajectory of my business was to really crystallize like what is my viewpoint of how operations needs to function inside of a small business. And so I think one of the biggest breakthroughs that I personally had was moving from fractional work to a little bit more of a consulting work. And I really needed to crystallize my frameworks. I really needed to create some opportunities for people to engage and interact with me in a little bit more of a project base. And so that's what we did. We I was in a position where I was uh, only able to handle a handful of clients in a fractional capacity, we kind of tapered off from doing fractional support and we started taking on one-off projects. And so that looked like, you know, exactly how I served that original organization. It was a 90-day project. We would set one focus and I would just basically jump in there, get all the things set up, train the new people, and then I would go or folks could retain me typically for like a strategic um, type of vibe within, you know, kind of their business. And so I would be like a strategic fractional COO. So that was like life cycle number two. I had two team members at the time of doing that. So that was within the first like year of operations agency, I believe, um, as we kind of rolled out the projects vibe. Um, and now I'm working with you already in the first year Mm -hmm. with two people. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it was super like, that's like not saying to gloss over, like a lot of people working with themselves for a long time before being able to build, start to build out a team. So that's pretty big. You know, I love collaborating. Um, It's like actually one of the things that I think is um, setting me apart slightly from a lot of other operators. Like I think a lot of other operations people really enjoy working on their own and doing their own projects and kind of um, completing things and then saying, here, this is, you know, what this looks like, or here's how I think this needs to go. Um, I'm a big collaborator. And I think that ultimately, especially in a small lean team, people are wearing several different hats or occupying different jobs um, or positions inside of the organization. It was really important to me to collaborate early. Um, so I was actually working with contractors in the very beginning, even in my freelance time, because I was like, look, I can show somebody how to do this. And I think coming from a bigger team, in a larger organization before that helped me understand the power of delegation and helped me understand that, you know, I don't always do every single thing the best, right? I can I can really lean on other people's skill sets. So I remember I'd actually talked about this in the book as well, but like my very first hire, um, Madison Stearns, she's now more because she's married and she has a beautiful little girl, but I literally hired her and it challenged me in a lot of ways to do those frameworks to crystallize my actual opinions and my thoughts and the worksheets and the the things that I was going through with clients. And I remember her asking a lot of amazing questions. And it really was a solid forcing function for me um, to create the first kind of scalable way that I could serve entrepreneurs with operations. And it was so impactful. So I think like a lot of folks are scared to hire because they're afraid of the investment. They're afraid of, you know, being uh, tethered to somebody else to depend on them for results or they're perfectionists recovering, right? They're like, oh, I don't want somebody else to touch my stuff. And so I think hiring somebody or just bringing in collaboration in like small doses into the business was extremely impactful for me. And I think it accelerated our growth actually pretty significantly because the questions that were asked were extremely impactful. Yeah. And, and obviously you could take on more work if you had more people, but I also could see like that a lot of what the problems people have is like, well, they're not going to do it the same way I would do it. Like, especially I could see that, especially being the case when it comes to like operations and systems and things like to trust someone else to kind of take on those things when that's what your business is all about. Like, I feel like there's definitely a level of trust there. Like, how did you find the the first people that you brought on? And I mean, it sounds like this, the, the, the frameworks that forced you to build out was like such a good, such a good thing, <laughs> such a good idea. But like, how did yeah. you first start doing that? Yeah. So, I mean, I just took a leap at first. I was like, I need an admin assistant um, to help me with some of the things because at first, right. I was doing fractional work. Um, and I had a lot of things that were kind of falling into my purview, right. Where I was like, look, they're spending, you know, an astronomical amount for me to be retained as a fractional piece of their business. I owe it to them to be able to get this volume of work done and perhaps even just outsource a slight bit to an assistant of mine, right? Data entry, um, you know, responding to emails and all those types of things. So I, I brought a person on in that direction. And I think, The cool thing is, is I always say this, everything I do in my business is like meta applied to how I serve other people, because literally I talk with CEOs and founders and creative directors and everybody all day long, who for some reason just don't have an assistant in their life. And whether it's 
you know, all the reasons I mentioned before, or they just haven't found the right person, or they're a little bit afraid. It's a good muscle to build to start to consider like, I need to be ruthless with my time and my involvement so that I can kind of stay in things that I feel like are going to be most impactful to the work I'm doing, right. Um, So I think it helps me build that muscle. So, um, you know, going back to the frameworking, like it really was helpful to define what are the low hanging fruit? Like what are those administrative things that everybody needs to get done, right? We all need to schedule. We all need to respond to emails. We all need to update projects and like check the boxes and, you know, update the dates and all the things, right? So like training somebody on doing just kind of those baseline functions um, and then showing them how to do so in an operational capacity. I did two things. I kind of started with the top level. So the frameworks, and then I started with the bottom level. So what are the standards or the baseline expectations for what I'm hoping that you'll produce for me. And so that gave a really solid, um, almost like bumpers on a bowling lane, right? It gave a really solid like space for somebody to come in and be slightly creative. And, you know, Madison, when she joined my team was really helping me define a lot of the ways that we handled those 90 day projects initially too. So she was asking great questions. She was helping me compile information, asking and conducting interviews with me. And we do this to this day with our clients. We'll jump in with an interview on, you know, something that they're doing inside of sales or how they're managing their clients or how they're um, finding new business. And it's really cool because we now get to just use those things um, to lean on, you know, as we serve future clients. So everything we do behind the scenes, we'll like stress test it and then we'll like roll it out and, you know, use it with our clients as well as they're growing into, you know, high seven, eight figure businesses. It's super fun. Yeah. I love that. I feel like you're, I feel like you're very organized and you would be (laughs) great. see my little bins behind the scenes. It's so funny. A lot of people comment on that. And I swear I did not do it on purpose. My husband like just built this really cool built in behind me for my office. And I was like, what is my perfect office scenario? And it's like, everything's labeled and organized. And like, I know when I need a journal, I can go find it. But that's what I do want to create inside of businesses. I think creating that transparency where somebody opens a closet and they're like, cool, I know exactly where to find every single thing I'm looking for. And it'll just help me function better in this home, which is our business. Like that's what I'm wanting. And I don't know any person who sees like a nicely organized and like very clean pantry or like a very organized closet. And they don't immediately like stress level come down a little bit, right? Like, you know, it just feels so authentic. And so again, transparent. Sort of. (laughs) It's really, yes, it's all taken care of. (laughs) Exactly. No, I love that. So what, so then you, what was I going to, I want to hear about writing the book. Like where did, how long had you had your business before you decided to write a book? And like, what has that process been like? I mean, just so I can slot it into the time frame in my mind, like not that it matters how long you had your business first. I just mean like, you know, where in that process were you like, Hey, this is something I'm going to do now too. Yeah. So the inkling to write a book came transparently years ago. Um, when I had first started the business, I was like, what is the ultimate kind of, um, authority amplifier, right? I'm considering like how I'm breaking into the space and, you know, crystallizing my frameworks. And after the whole conversation that we just had about all of that with Madison's hire, um, and then Lauren, my second hire, I was like, you know, um, I want to write a book. And I remember thinking like, I don't really know how it fits into the model. I don't know specifically like how we would do this. So I remember like compiling a lot of free writing and I was just doing it over the years. And so operations agency is going to be six years old in the fall. Um, and I just released the book, um, last month in June. So operations agency, when I started writing, um, intentionally was about like, yeah, five and a half, yeah, about five years old. So, it was just time. Um, and, and it's so interesting because I think all of us kind of know in our gut when it's time to launch a new thing or we have this like bonk on the head. And for me, um, that was when I had my son, my first son. Um, it was about three years ago and he's going to be three in August, which is so crazy to say out loud. Mm-hmm. But I remember <laughs> being um, really involved in every single aspect of my business. And, you know, it was growing. Um, At the time, it was still super new. We had two employees and a handful of contractors. It was a really well-oiled machine in the sense that, like, we all knew what our respective um, 
goals were and what our respective inputs on those were. And it was really great. And I really, really loved my business at that stage. But the context around my business is well, I didn't have any kids, right? I was away from our family because my husband was still in the military. And because he had transferred to that new job, he was now gone about 50% of the time. Mm. So when I didn't actual assessment of like how much time I was spending in my business, it would be super common for me to like work into the eight, nine, 10 PM hours. I would very frequently just like work through the day and like pick my head up at two 30 and be like, Oh crap, I haven't eaten lunch yet. And so the business was so dependent on me as a human being and with my skill set and with my strategy to actually run and to actually thrive. And then I remember when I got pregnant with my son, COVID hit and it was like three months later, I think, and everybody wanted to come and work with somebody who could proverbially clean out their closets operationally, right? You remember like that big time in the beginning of COVID where like everyone was cleaning out their garage and like mm -hmm. everyone was like purging all their stuff because like all they had to do was sit inside with like all the messiness of their home. So yeah. like we had that for business. And so everyone came to me and they were like, hey, we suddenly have all this budget and we're all just like trying to find ways to work more efficiently. Lots of teams went remote. Mm -hmm. So I was in a position where I was busier than ever the year or busier than I had been up until that time. Um, when I was pregnant with my son. And I remember thinking, I don't even know how the heck I'm going to take a maternity leave. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And so in that process, of removing myself from my business, I was faced with the very serious reality that my business couldn't function without me. And as an operations person, that was extremely confronting. I was like, I'm the systems gal. I'm supposed to have all this stuff figured out. And it was kind of making me question my identity. It was making me question like what my purpose was and if I could even serve entrepreneurs, if I could even help them through these processes. And um, I had fast forward like nine months later, we had gotten pregnant with my second son. So I have two little boys under three right now. And I was forced to have to just kind of figure out taking a second maternity leave, right? I was like, okay, now Wait, I felt like I, felt like I got a second a chance. Bit of a maternity leave with the first one. So you, you had, oh, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even, I could hardly get out of bed. Like I let alone like be busier than ever and be setting up systems like ugh, that's yeah that sounds like a, a tough year honestly Alessandra I was in a position where I was in the hospital we had just birthed my son and then we moved over to like the permanent overnight room and there's this like beautiful photo of me with my first son I'm like super like my hair is still like crazy because I had just given birth and we're like smiling and he's about to fall asleep and I literally put him over into the bassinet and the next thing that happened that wasn't captured on photo was I was jumping onto my phone to answer slack messages from my team mm -hmm. and emails from our clients mm -hmm. and I feel like there aren't very many times in life where you get such a physical representation of like where you like your priorities are, but it was really clear for me. And especially as a first time mom, right? I feel like you're just like very um, judgmental on yourself and that the mom guilt thing is real. Plus you add the like waves of hormones in there. And I was just like, what is happening? I've built this business, creating systems for others. Like, you know, I'm putting other people's oxygen masks on before I'm putting my own on. And then all of a sudden, I'm just going to have nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. So I started considering like how other parentpreneurs or how other mompreneurs um, kind of worked through this process, because I was like, you know, the birth part and the maternity leave part is only the first phase, right? You have a kiddo now who demands lots of time, demands lots of attention, and you want to be with them during this super short, you know, infant time and toddler time. Kids go to daycare, they get sick. They have lots of things that you want to be a part of after school activities and sports and all the stuff. And so my thought was, is that if I could build a way to strategically leverage time away from the business and kind of justify it as a mechanism for growth, then we've got something. Then we really can understand how to build a business that's independent of us. Because I don't know about you, but like when I consider like what is the measure of being a successful parent, right? It's raising something that can thrive independently of us, right? Like raising a capable, thriving adult. Yeah. And so a lot of us, I think we go through that baby phase. Like lots of folks say business is the baby, business is the baby. But like, when does business become the thriving adult, right? Is that the measure of what 
a good business owner is. Um, oh um, so that was kind of the idea behind the book, essentially, right? Like that was like the the spark. <laughs> wow, I love that. I want to like that's I've never thought about it that way, but I love that way of thinking about a business. Like, is it a thriving adult without you, without needing you to be guiding it all the time, or to even be like checking in every single day or whatever. I love that. Wow. And what a story. Oh my gosh. I was also the same way. I was just going to say, I mean, my son was born early, so it was like a little bit different. Like I had, I had plans to make plans and then, you know, God had other plans as they said, (laughs) not like religious, but like, that's a saying. Um, yeah, he came early, but I was absolutely right there with you. Like emailing like well I just had a baby and like no I remember being like do I tell my clients this I think I didn't tell them but I was oh my gosh I hear that from so many service provider moms they're always like telling me that you know I remember I interviewed one mom who said that she was uh, had her baby on a Thursday and was back to work on a Monday like in the office and I was like how is that even possible wow yeah no I mean I was working for myself already and I and he was born so early that he was stayed in the hospital. So it was like a very weird situation where I like went home and like didn't have a baby for a couple of weeks. It was a very strange period of time, but that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, so, I mean, there's no reason technically why I can't be working, but it seems like I shouldn't be. And I mean, I was in the hospital like every day still, but not like overnight. So it was very weird, but yeah, no, I mean, I can absolutely like resonate with all of that and I wish that I had known you back then <laughs> to be like let's make some systems usually I mean back then I didn't even have anyone working for me but that was like also the impetus for me to build my team was like I want to be able to have time with my family like I don't want to feel like I have to be working all the time I want to be able to work less and still have things run without me so that's why I need more people <laughs> to be in the business so that was kind of similarly there too like things need to change like which I think, you know, that comes with changes in your life is like realizing that you need to change your business or everything else. Absolutely. So the the process of writing the book, is that something like, do you feel like you could only do that because you had a team? Like you, I imagine you had a, did you have to t- like take time away from, you know, other work to do that? Or did you just kind of like, I know you said you kind of compiled a lot of like writing that you had and Like, was that just kind of like something that easily came together or like, what was that like? Actually, no, I, it's funny. I actually like, you're like, I just had two kids and wrote a book, like all in in the same year. It's like essentially what I'm hearing. So that's why I'm like, what? It's funny. Um, I think too, like looking at it from the outside and perhaps you felt this way too, like when you were a new mom, like, I just feel like there's so much demand for time that I have to be ruthless with it. Mm -hmm. And I found that over the last two or three years since having kids, I've been able to really accomplish more by just simply being more intentional. Mm -hmm. So what I do, and I've had this practice for a long time, not immediately when my first son was born, but after my second son is I was, I was very convinced that I did not want um, my kids to ever be a reason why I didn't do something, why I didn't launch a book or I didn't, you know, train for a marathon or whatever. I'm not doing that, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting because I started thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to compile this book over a long period of time. I'm going to block out, you know, writing here and there and like put it on my task list. And then it always fell to the bottom. Always. I was like, everything else is on fire. This is the last thing. It's a passion project. Mm -hmm. And then when I really decided to make it non-negotiable was when it happened and happened really quickly. So I decided to be intentional about writing out this particular book in this method because I've been compiling writing for a long time, but I actually used almost none of the original writing that I had compiled. And the way that I got the book done so quickly, because I was able to write the first draft in about 30 days. was I scheduled only 90 minutes every single morning of writing time. That was it. And it wasn't a, let's just do this Monday through Friday. It was every single day, Sundays, Saturday mornings, all the things. And all I did was write. And obviously I did the book outline first. I was like, okay, here are the buckets of information. And so that I could just go in and free write things every single day. Um, I had an incredible team behind me on the writing and editing side of things. Um, So I was the writer and then I had an editor and like, you know, line editor who was 
able to help me kind of crystallize the actual voice and all the things, um, you know, in the, in the book itself. And then a publishing team as well, who helped guide me on like exterior and the way I was going to position things and, you know, getting people to promote and, and help me with that side of things. So I think that the book team for sure was helpful. However, um, I do think that um, it was just about making it a non-negotiable. So if I, if I really was um, continuing to approach it the way I had in years past, right, if I didn't make time um, and make it a priority, then it probably would still not be published. And so um, I actually talk about this in the sabbatical method, but I've been doing this principle now for almost two years, which seems um, crazy that it's been that long, um, but it's called the 90-90 principle. And what I do is I do 90 minutes of focus time for 90 days on one specific project. And I think it's really, really great because I use it as a filter for my specific involvement in the business and where I want to grow the business. So like for me, um, last quarter was big for marketing, right? Q2, I launched the book. I was doing the finishing touches on the book and all those types of things. So my 90-90 was 90 minutes of writing for 90 days. That was how I was doing that. And then as the writing piece, you know, fell off. I was doing 90 minutes of editing for the next phase of the project and then 90 minutes of marketing material, reaching out to podcasts, like doing all of those types of things. And so you can do that kind of project focus. So, um, it helps us, I think, and at least for me, like there's so many things you could do inside of your business, right? There's so many ways you could market yourself. There's so many ways that you could, um, you know, package and productize and do all the things with your services, right? But if you create the 90-90 focus, right, you can almost like filter all of your business decision-making through that. Like, does it serve the 90-90 principle? Does it serve my North Star for this quarter? If the answer is no, then you shelf it. And then what we do internally at operations agency is we take a look at things and we decide what every person's 90-90 principle is, right? And then we can hold each other accountable to that. And we know what our focal points are. There's no questions of priority. Um, there's no questions of, you know, kind of what the hierarchy is. It's just, that's what your focus is. And we're, we try not to overcomplicate things too much. We felt like breaking things off that way, it doesn't exhaust our team. And it helps us to stay into alignment with what our skill set is. I love that. Okay. So is that, is that the kind of thing you talk about in the book? Like, tell me like what, so just to, just to remind people it's called, the book is literally called the sabbatical method, how to leverage rest and grow your business. So it's like literally what we're talking about, but tell us a little mm -hmm. more about what is the book really about? And like, I don't know, I almost, I kind of want to dive into like maybe a couple of the main points. Like, I don't know. I mean, okay. I obviously want to read the book because now I'm like, I would need to do this. I need to implement everything. But if we were going to talk about like one or two things, like of how you recommend people, I don't know. I don't know the wording you use, like pull back from the business a little and get it running without them. Like, yeah, I need that. So talk to me about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So the whole concept really, right, is that if you want to create a high-performing business, you want to look at other things that work well and are high-performing, right? So if you consider summiting Everest, I talk about this at length in the book, um, there are strategic training plans that include times of strength, times of endurance, times of flexibility, and alas, times of rest, right? Rest is really strategic in a high-performing plan. And what it helps us do is rebuild our muscles and our cardiovascular system and all of the things to prepare for the next phase of the ascent. And so my opinion is that in this kind of incubator of a high-performing business, rest is the function of operations, right? So operationally speaking, after you have these really big pushes and these new projects and you launch new things and you go through these really overwhelming you know, growth spurts inside of the business, layering in rest strategically to build up your operations to support that next time you do a launch next time you do a workshop next time you do this really challenging thing in your business it actually seems a little bit easier because we've actually spent the time to create some of the systems around it just like when you take an off day training for a marathon or training to summer everest right and the and the cool thing is that not only does it help us repair the business and be able to get stronger over time but it also allows the owner founder the leadership team because this is kind of applicable to everybody inside of the business, not just the founder. Mm. Um, it, it can help us reconnect with 
why we're doing this, right? Whether that's our family and friends, our personal relationships, our children, our hobbies, um, our personal health. Um, one of the actual inspirations for uh, writing this book when I did um, was a client of mine came to me and she had such a severe health crisis that she had to take a forced sabbatical from her business. Mm -hmm. um, she had advanced lipidemia. She could barely walk or stand. Um, she had to be in a chair um, pretty much the entire day. And it really limited her from doing a lot of the things that she loved doing, which was speaking on stage and coaching. And it was really, really challenging for her. And she really had to reconcile with the fact that she had in service of growing this incredibly impactful business, completely let her health fall off the back of the wagon. And I think a lot of people, um, I think, think of sabbatical and kind of like two very different spaces. They think of these like Parisian six month sabbaticals that are only accessible by like fortune 50 CEOs and people who have a lot of time and resources. And then they think about the proverbial burnout, right? They think of, oh, I was voluntold to take off for my business because I went too hard for too long and I hit a brick wall. And so my hope is that the sabbatical method can help us access that space in between where we can leverage the benefits of taking time off from the business to help crystallize our vision, really connect us with our why, build those systems behind the scenes and avoid a lot of the pitfalls of the burnout and going too long, too fast and, and kind of avoiding those breaks. So how do we do that though? Like, <laughs> I feel like, does everybody come to you and say, but like, there's no way that I can, there's no way I can well, like, there's so yeah. much to do. I think it's funny. I did a book signing in June and most people that came up to the table were like either one of two camps. They were like, oh, sabbatical, isn't that nice? And like completely just discounted it. They were like, I could never do that. And then the other half was like, oh, I could really use a break. And so there was like the two camps of people. So the way that I get super tactical about this first and foremost is just like anything that's worth achieving. Um, it takes repetition, right? And it takes building the muscle. So I think first and foremost, establishing your boundaries and, and kind of a timeline is what I call the sabbatical method. Method checklist in the very first like kind of uh, chapter of the book is we talk about defining what specifically your intention is going to be. So setting those boundaries, and that might just be at this point closing your computer at 5 p.m. or not opening up your email over the weekend. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of owners find themselves in that camp more times than not, right? Where they just feel like it bleeds into their evenings and their weekends and the business is just taking over the entirety of their life. So starting there is gonna be really, really helpful. Then we can begin to take these, again, these micro hits of rest where we feel like we can remove ourselves from the business and really identify the sabbatical as a forcing function function to consider what falls apart when the owner's away, right? To identify. So I think a lot of us, right, when we go down this operational project, right, first of all, it seems like a beast, right? We're like, oh my goodness, if I had to create systems for every single thing in my business, I'd be doing this for the rest of my life. And it seems really daunting. And a lot of my clients, they tell me that when they first come to me, they're like, I can't even imagine doing this on my own. It just seems so cumbersome and overwhelming. And there's so many details and all the things. And so what I always try to encourage folks with is if we were to be in a position to close our computer at 6 p.m., what would fall off, right? And just make a list, right? Don't, don't think anything about it. Just consider like what would fall off and then start to consider, well, what would it be like if I had standard operating procedures and systems in place for every single one of those things? And then next time you go to tackle that to-do list, something super simple, I encourage everybody to do at that base level before they can take some time off is to start recording their screen. We live in a beautiful digital age where we can really, really easily compile training SOPs of all of the things that we do all day long. And even if you're pre-hire, you absolutely need to be compiling these and creating documentation around how you're doing what you're doing and what the high level steps are for how you're managing projects and delivering on your services and all of those things. Because then when you actually come in and hire a person, they're going to be way more impactful to your organization earlier on in the training process, rather than you needing to take time out of your already busy schedule to train them. And so I think as we start to kind of compile this, I like to say that we want to just get our business out of our brain and, and centralize that onto paper. So the very first thing is to channel what I call the very first sabbatical personality, which is, um, 
which is the assister. <laughs> so if you have a person in your organization or if you're working with a contractor or something like that who's supporting you part-time, the assister, you know, just like in basketball, right, tease somebody else up to make the score, right? And so what you would do is leverage screencasts, for example, and say, here's exactly what I'm expecting. You go and do that, right? So it's kind of like delegating. You're doing probably like the 80% or 50-50 sometimes, right, to, to kind of get things off your plate. The second personality is the trainer or the coach. Um, you're giving somebody a high level framework. So not necessarily the nitty gritty. And you're saying, Hey, listen, this is what I expect. Here's the strategy that we're going after. You go figure out all of the nuts and bolts that need to happen in there, right? That's kind of the next level of leadership. You can kind of pull back from the reins of the business, probably take more longer um, stretches of time off, you know, like a, like a week or so. Um, and then you uh, then go into the third level of the sabbatical personalities, which is what I call the board member. You can consider Warren Buffett in this, in this kind of direction. We're really just like guiding and steering the ship right? We're setting the quarterly initiatives. We're helping people focus on their 90-90 principles, right? Like what specifically are we going after? And then we really don't have a lot of, you know, pushing buttons and pulling levers. Like we don't have to physically be in the business in order to keep it running. We can just build the machine that builds the machine, as they say. I love that. I love that. It makes me nervous, but <laughs> that means I need it. Um, no, that's that's a really great way of looking at it, though, I think. Um, and so does the, the book kind of walks you through like the framework for how to think about these things and how to start implementing them within your business? Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about the sabbatical method checklist to talk about the personality. So how to get started and what your team might look like and where you might be able to kind of uh, focus your time. And then the second um, half of the book is really about operations simplified. So my core framework for if, for example, you start to take some time off and you see, you know, uh, inefficiencies in your processes, or you feel like quarterly projects take a lull, or, you know, team members aren't being identified. You feel like you have, you know, um, a lack of leads or sales in your organization right? You can start to build. And I actually crystallized my operation simplified framework on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because I personally believe that there are um, basically five levels to, you know, how a business creates bulletproof operations to be able to function independently of any one person, including the founder. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, I, I guess I feel like the one thing that comes up for me as a question is, you do you feel like you have to have a certain amount of people like I feel like the other pushback like what what I want to say is like I don't know if I have enough people on my team to make sure everything gets done without me though and so is part of it like kind of just almost like restructuring your team or making sure everybody isn't like the doing the exact right things or do you kind of walk, talk about that at all like you might need to be hiring more people or making sure you have the right help in place before you do this? Because like, for me, I feel like that seems like the main like roadblock that I would want to argue. <laughs> totally. And you know, it's so challenging to specifically determine when the right time to hire is because I think if you have a team right now that's being utilized, you could do so many different things to change the way you guys interact and become more efficient. Or, um, you know, for example, like with my team, I remember at the time when we were moving from fractional services over to one-off projects. And then now when we're doing like on-demand SOPs and we're doing more trainings and workshops and things, um, it was an evolution, right? We needed to strip away some things sometimes in order to get to that next level of efficiency and productivity and all of that. So I think being ruthless in what you don't want to do and then kind of positioning that inside of your team and say, here are the things we know that we want to move forward with. And let's redistribute those among the current team that we have, I think is really helpful. And additionally, I think something else that I think we personally do, like as owner founders is we'll start something and we'll say, oh, well, because we've done it this way all the time, right? We'll just kind of like build on this really shaky foundation without questioning like, okay, well, should I just go back and see like fundamentally is this thing the best thing for us, right? Like, is this offer totally bulletproof and ready? Like, am I super excited to sell it? Is my team really confident in delivering it? And do we get incredible results for people? So even being ruthless and how you're, you know, really taking a look at some of those things. Um, but if you're really just looking for somebody to help support you, like through taking some more time off of the business or, you know, focusing on other projects, because honestly, I've helped people through the sabbatical method who don't want time off. 
they want time to focus on another project, which is funny because that's what I did with the book. And that's what I've done with so many other big projects that we've been working on. We have a client load that could totally dominate my time if I wasn't ruthless in the way that I structured things so that I could not only fulfill on client accounts, but also have time to grow, right? And launch these new projects and launch these new things. And so I think as we start to create our ideal team, we need to consider like, what can we be ruthless in and eliminating? And then the second thing that we need to understand too is like, do we have enough resources internally for people to be able to operate at their most efficient capacity? Um, and that's one of the big things I talk about in the chapter around efficiency and capacity with your team is because it's just such a... Um, you know, you could have, for example, two team members and run a multiple eight figure course business, right? Like where people are just buying courses from you, right? There's that model, right? It's, uh, you know, statistically low team, you know, high marketing costs, right? And like partnership costs and ads and all the things. But then like behind the scenes, right? You could have a service team of eight people and they're spending nothing on advertising, right? And the the workload is large, but they're in a position where they're getting referrals, right? So like, it really does depend on your model and it depends on how you want to serve your clients. So I think that one of the most beneficial things besides building uh, operations and building systems behind the scenes is that REST allows us to access a new perspective on our business as well at different phases of its life cycle. So imagine you're just going, going, going with these blinders on and you're like, well, this is how it's always been. And so I'm just going to keep going this way. Instead, if you take a moment to just like decompress, um, I was told by a coach that um, the reason why we get lots of ideas in the shower is because we're relaxed and our cortisol levels are low. So our brain actually is more creative in that in that space. Mm -hmm. And so I think rest specifically, right, as we start to remove ourselves from things and take some time off the business, it can actually allow us to access more breakthroughs in the next phase of, of where it's going. Totally. I always get new ideas on vacation totally same <laughs> always when you're just like not in the work kind of environment or headspace that the, like I also get more excited by things too and it's kind of like yeah that's the rejuvenation I guess too but yeah no I totally totally see that but it's still so easy to be like oh but I don't have time to to take the time to do those things right to take the time to just think about things or to not think about things and I think that's like a great um kind of intention to set for the rest of the summer. Like I really want to look into this more. I want to really think about it and try to implement some of these things. Cause I think it's, I think I need it. <laughs> I think it's really important and it's so easy to just kind of keep going through life and like running the business without kind of doing it. Cause it's like, well, it's easier if I just do it myself. Right. But like, it's not oh. obviously like in the long run. Yeah. And I think it's a badge of honor sometimes. Like I remember there was a slight moment when I was in the hospital with my first son and I was like, oh, look how committed I am to my business. I'm like, you know, I'm here in the hospital answering emails. And I think we all fool ourselves with that sometimes where we're like, look at how many hours I'm working and I'm really passionate about my dream. I don't think it means you're less passionate because you're not willing to work into the wee hours of the morning. What you want to do is you want to give your best and you also want to create those boundaries around what your business needs from you, right? If you just let it take everything, it's going to take everything, right? It's going to take your personal life. It's going to take your health. It's going to take your sleep. It's going to take everything. And so I'm not saying that to demonize being a business owner, because I think business ownership is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but without being intentional about all of the things that need to be true, right? Rest, high performance, flexibility, you know, all of the things, um, it's it's not going to be the happiest <laughs> of, uh, of, I guess, paths to be on. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me, is there anything that you wish you knew more about when you first started your business? I always ask people that at the end more about um hmm or anything you wish you knew back then anything i wish i knew if i had to give some advice to my younger self for sure i would have started creating those boundaries a little bit earlier because like i said i was just working all the time mm -hmm. um but i think uh perhaps something that i know now um that i didn't know then was on management style and leadership style. I think I learned a lot of empathy and I think I learned a lot of patience um, from being a mother, 
And so in the very beginning, I was very, I was a very results driven leader. And I think a lot of credit can be given in that direction. I was very um, objective. There wasn't, you know, big feelings parties for lots of different things, either in the good or the bad. Um, and I think I have found um, that there's probably a little bit more room for intentional, um, careful leadership um, and being able to get to know not only your team, but also your clients and your clients' teams and understanding like how they work and how they process information and um, what's going to help them um, and what's going to stick with them from a coaching perspective. Um, I think the people part of things, I always felt like when I was early on in operations, I was like, no, we just need to look at the numbers and the data. Um, but I think that that's something that I have um, honed, especially after becoming a mom. Like my two boys are just totally different people and I need to act just differently around them when I am leading them as a mom. Oh, that's such a great answer. Yeah. Any last word of advice to other entrepreneurs, business owners? Yeah, totally. I think um, in anybody who's listening, like in your gut, you probably know, like I'm overdue to either take some time off or create some systems or any of the things that we talked about today. And I think a lot of folks find it really overwhelming. And I also think a lot of folks think that they're going to wait until there's a less busy time and, or a less busy season in their life. Um, and I encourage you not to do that. Um, I think that if we... Yeah, it doesn't come. First of all, we're all high performers. We're all high achievers. We want to create incredible impact in our markets and, and in our communities. And it's not going to come. We're always going to be super busy. And I think if we train ourselves to consider that we come last and that, you know, we only get this time off whenever we're not busy, um, it's going to be the first thing that goes away once you get busy again. And so really training yourself to find that time. Um, even in, in busy seasons and being able to safeguard that, I think it will help you show up as a better leader, a better, you know, coach to your clients, a, a better service provider, you know, whatever your situation is. Love it. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Tell people how they can find, where they can get the book, how they can find you if they want to connect with you later on or just, um, or how, like find your business website. Yeah, think. totally. Totally. So the book's on Amazon. It's called The Sabbatical Method. Um, if you search that, it should be the first um, thing that pops up. Um, you can grab the book there. Um, there's a free toolkit that comes along with it as well, which you can grab at operationsagency.com. And I also have a super nifty quiz if you're considering like I might want to take some time off or something's coming down the pike that I'd really like to consider whether or not I can step away from the business. Um, it's called Can Your Business Function Without You? It's a free quiz. It'll give you a couple of tips and options to um, you know, figure out how to prep for that. Love it. Um... I already know the answer is no, but I'm still going to take the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. And um, yeah, wait, so that was all the places that they should find you? Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. This was really awesome. And I literally cannot wait to read and implement your book. Thank you so much. I had a blast. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. For more information, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at Quotable Media Co. and at Quotable Magazine. If you loved this episode, please consider sharing it. Take a screenshot right now and post it to your stories and don't forget to tag us so we can reshare. We love to see which episodes are resonating with you. Also, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening right now. It means the world to me to see those. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes and also online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. Talk to you soon.